All right, we are in our prophet series, and if you got a Bible, go to Isaiah chapter 5. Yes. I want to talk to you today about something very interesting and, and very deep. I felt like the Holy Spirit laid it on my heart a few weeks ago, and so I want to title it Witchcraft and the Information War. Witchcraft and the Information War. Isaiah 5 verse 20 says, whoa, and he doesn't mean like whoa, like whoa, he means whoa, like warning, warning to those who call evil good and good evil. We're living in a time right now where the devil is twisting and manipulating even Christians to not know right from wrong, good from evil, to really turn the next generation and current generations in society into a morally bankrupt society where we don't know what's evil and what's good. And we're afraid to call it out because we might be canceled. We might lose some popularity. He says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. In other words, he's saying, this is witchcraft. There is a manipulation spirit to twist the truth where people begin calling things that are evil good and things that are good evil, where people don't know who they are and people don't know what's right and what's wrong. And there's this information war that's happening uh, where it's stirring up a spirit of confusion. In John 8, verse 44, Jesus says, anytime you hear lies, you're hearing the native tongue of the devil. The devil is the father of lies, right? He has no truth because truth does not exist in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his native tongue, for he is the father of lies. The devil is a deceiver. And what he does is he tries to deceive people into not knowing what the truth is. The prophets in the Old Testament were constantly battling against an information war where there were false prophets saying one thing and the real prophets were saying something different. And people didn't know who to listen to. They were like, Who's telling me the truth? Who should I pay attention to? And I saw something three weeks ago that really stirred this message in me. I was sitting um, at home on a Wednesday night, and all of a sudden, every news station began talking about the war in Israel. But the way they were talking about it, they started saying things like, hey, Israel shot a missile tonight into a hospital in Gaza. How many of y'all saw this news story possibly floating around three weeks ago? Within an hour, the news story changed. And the news story said, it possibly wasn't Israel that shot the missile. It could have been Hamas. Then a few hours later, the story changed again. It possibly was not Israel at all. It most likely was Hamas. And then a few hours later, the missile never hit the hospital. It actually hit a parking lot near the hospital. But originally they were saying Israel kills thousands of people. And I'm watching this happen and I go, hold on. There is, a, there is a collective effort to stir up propaganda against Israel to get an entire world angry at Israel. And I'm not saying that Israel or America or any government for that matter is flawless. I'm not saying that God is behind every single decision we make or that Israel makes. But I will say this, there is an effort to try to destroy the reputation of a nation right now. The war that's happening in Israel is not just a war against terrorism, there is a war against propaganda. There's an information war. And you might go, what does this have to do with me, Paul? I'm just a college student. I'm a single trying to get married. I'm a married person trying to just have a, you know, peace in my home. Whatever it is, I'm telling you, the war that's going on right now is connected to our lives too. In Isaiah 53 verse one, the prophet Isaiah says, whose report will you believe? Whose report? Y'all remember that old song? Whose report will you believe? I will believe the report of the Lord. His report says, his report says, his report says, his report We used to do like the cha-cha slide to that. We used to, or, you know, something. We used to all get in a line and we'd go around the maybe center. Anyways. The point of that song was asking this question, whose report will you believe? Because there's different reports coming out. There's a report of fear. There's a report of faith. There's a report of hopelessness. There's a report of hope. 
There's a report of saying, do whatever you want to do. Whatever feels good, go for it. And there's a report of saying, repent and get right with God so that you can experience the revival that God has for you. Whose report will you believe? There's a battle happening right now. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, Paul the apostle warned people, the church in Thessalonica, he says, do not let anyone deceive you. Deception is at an all-time high. By the way, it's hard to know when you're being deceived because it's deceiving. Paul says, be careful who you listen to. Be careful where you get your information from. Well, Paul, I heard a 14-year-old on TikTok telling me what I need to do concerning the war in Israel, and they know everything these days. Okay. Well, Paul, I was listening to a conspiracy theorist on Facebook, and it's really fringe, but I really, and I, I saw a YouTube video these days, and I was on Insta, I was on Twitter or X, and I was following the threads here, and, and you know, I just, I'm getting information from a lot of, information is everywhere. It's bombarding us. And it's at our fingertips, right? You pull out your phone and you have, in, you have a thousand voices screaming for your attention. And the information is not always right. Paul says, be careful. Don't let anyone deceive you. For the day will not come until the rebellion occurs. We're seeing a rebellion happen worldwide. Where people are rejecting truth. People are rejecting their creator. They're like, I know he created me this gender, but I want to self-identify what gender I am. Okay. There's a rejection of creator. There's a rejection of how he made us. There's a rejection of his truth. Well, Paul, I just don't follow that anymore. That's old school. I don't want to be canceled. I have to now go with what they're teaching me in public schools, in my university, what CNN is saying, what MSNBC is saying, what TikTok is saying. I'm sorry, but none of those platforms were here when this word was written that has outlasted all the current news sources we follow and trust. Bring it back to the real truth. How do we combat witchcraft? Which, by the way, let's, let's just define what is witchcraft. It is the exercise or invocation of alleged supernatural practices. That's a lot of words right there. Here's the bottom line. To control people's lives. To control people's perceptions. There is a spirit of deception right now trying to twist people's perception about Israel, but not really just about Israel. It could be about America. It could be about the church. could be about Christianity. could even be about your parents. could be about your kids. And you go, well, I, I don't think there's witchcraft. There's not like a Harry Potter casting spells on us or calling out the wizards over here, you know, to do magic and stir the witch pot. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is there's manipulation happening. There is a spirit of witchcraft that's trying to twist the truth to get people to believe a lie in order to control. Why? Because bad information leads to bad decisions. So 2 Thessalonians 2, Paul says, be careful, don't be deceived. There's a rebellion that's going to occur and the Antichrist, the man of lawlessness, will be exposed. He will be doomed to destruction, but he will exalt himself. In verse four, it says this, he will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshiped. As soon as you see someone or some situation that's rejecting the scripture, that's rejecting God as the creator, I promise you it's witchcraft. I promise you it is a spirit of deception and it leads to destruction. And if we can't call that out, if we're afraid to call that out, then we will raise the next generation up to know nothing about right from wrong, light from darkness, good from evil. We will give them no moral compass, no truth, no foundation. This is why the church can't just preach happy messages. We have to confront the deception that's happening in America, in high schools, in middle schools, in college universities. We see protests on the streets and people don't even know what they're protesting. People are literally shouting for a group of people that actually want to kill them. What? Nobody's fact-checking. Let's talk about fact-checking for a second. 
I've been fact-checked left and right on Instagram, on Facebook, Twitter, especially 2020. If I posted anything about our church standing up during that season, I had a CDC guideline fact-checking alert underneath my post. People would be like, hey, did you know you posted the CDC? I'm like, no, I didn't. The fact-checkers attached it there because they are vigilant to tell everyone their biased opinion. While the church quietly does not fact check very much of anything. I'm not talking about this church. This church is strong. We are strong. What I'm saying is we've got to recognize we're at war. Paul says in Ephesians 6 verse 12, the war we are in is not against flesh and blood. Believe it or not, you're not in a war with your spouse. You're not in a war with your dad. You're not in a war with your mom. You're not in a war with your wife or your husband. You're not in a war with your kids. You're not in a war with people. We are in a war against principalities, powers, and spiritual forces that we cannot see. There is a heavenly war happening, and it is a war oftentimes fighting for our hearts, our minds, our ears, and our eyes. The war that we see in Israel happening right now, I believe, is prophetic, talking about the war that's going on in our own lives. I've seen articles popping up in the last few weeks that say there is an information war going on. Let's talk about information warfare. The components of information warfare may constitute of electronic warfare, psychological operations, cyber warfare, military deception, operational security. That's a lot of big words. Bottom line is the goal of information warfare is to corrupt, to exploit, to deny and destroy the enemy's information and its functions. Here's, here's what also information warfare does. It spreads propaganda, disinformation to demoralize or manipulate the enemy and the public perception of the enemy. It's undermining the quality of that person's information. Okay, so what is propaganda? Propaganda is biased information, misleading nature, promoting or publicizing uh, for a, an agenda, a motivation, the spreading of information or rumors for the purpose of injuring an institution, a cause, a person, or an entire nation. When Hitler was preparing Germany to kill the Jews, he didn't start off with the statement of, Let's kill the Jews. He started off with propaganda. He started off with the spreading of rumors. He began to demonize and demoralize the Jewish people. What we're seeing right now with the spirit of Hamas and violence and hatred is the spreading of, and, and it's happening worldwide, this anger at the Jewish people. Be careful where you get your information from. Bad information leads to bad decisions. Be slow to assume the first piece of information you get about a person, place, or thing is correct. The first piece of information is always missing information. Proverbs says the first person to tell a story seems right until all witnesses are examined. How many of y'all know there's more sides to a story than the first side you hear? I'm seeing this with our five kids. One of them will come up and say, Ellie took the toilet paper and rolled it through the kitchen everywhere. I'll go to Ellie. Ellie, did you do this? No. Mackie started this when he began to unravel. Mackie goes, it was Benny who began the first part. Benny goes, it was Liam. Then they all point at Gianna. She's two years old. Gianna's like, hey guys, she's just eating peanut butter with her shirt off and a diaper. So it was me. Who was it? Who do we listen to? Who do we believe? People are going down left and right off of bad information. Who told you what you heard? And where did they get that information? And how do you know it's credible? How do you know they're a credible source? And is there an agenda behind that person? Because if I have an offense towards someone, I attract misinformation about that person. If I have undealt with animosity, towards Pastor Ty Barker, and Daniel Henshaw comes over and he goes, hey, did you hear this about Pastor Ty Barker? I'm gonna believe it, whether it's true or not, because he cut me off in the parking lot last week, and I can't get over that offense, 
And because I've got undealt with the fence, the, the, the sun went down and I never did forgive him. The Bible says forgive people before the sun goes down. Well, I don't think we have to do that, Paul. I think we're allowed to hold on to some bitterness. What Bible are you reading? The Bible says deal with your bitterness before it takes you out. Here's the problem with bitterness. It attracts misinformation. Ty never cut me off in the parking lot. I cut him off in the parking lot. I'm just kidding. But the bottom line is, if I have undealt with offense, here's where witchcraft happens. Witchcraft, and the devil does this in churches, gets believers offended at each other so that when gossip or slander or misinformation begins to spread, we're all the more to believe it because we're already hurt and we need a reason to justify our hurt. You go, oh yeah, I knew they were a lying, scheming little demon. You know, I knew he was, I knew they were messing with doing stuff they shouldn't be doing because they cut me off in the parking lot. They didn't say happy birthday. They didn't shake my hand in the lobby. When I'm offended at someone, I already am looking for information that's bad about them. People are moving at the speed of information in 2023. Even if that information is wrong, people are moving not at the speed of facts, at the speed of information. People are moving at the speed of information more than the speed of proof or evidence, guilty until proven innocent. Whatever sounds the most sensational gets the telephone game going. Y'all remember the telephone game? We used to play this when I was in elementary. My teacher would have 30 kids in our class and she'd say, Paul, I want you to start right here and you tell a secret to that person, then that person's gonna pass the secret on to their neighbor, and then their neighbor, and their neighbor. Here's the information war. It's happening right now before our very eyes. So I could say, Taylor Swift was with Travis Kelsey and Prince Harry and Meghan Markle went to a football game in Argentina, y'all are like, what is he talking about? But you're already checking on Google. You're like, let's just see if it's true. <laughs> How many of y'all in the room are like, I don't have time for everyone else's drama. Please stop gossiping to me about everyone. <laughs> I was in the store the other day and on the front of the magazine, it says Prince Harry is suing $2 billion lawsuit against three different news corporations for the spreading of false rumors, gossip, and slander against him. And I'm reading and I'm intrigued by it. I'm like, this is really interesting. And then here I am, I'm playing into the whole deal. I'm like, <laughs> at the end of the day, I, we got five kids to raise. We got enough drama of our own in our own house. I don't have time for everyone else's drama. But the enemy knows, the enemy knows People are moving at the speed of information. Why is this message important? Because we will run with bad information. We're seeing students line up streets in Chicago, New York City, Los Angeles, San Francisco, London, by the tens of thousands, protesting with bad information. We're watching church people go down left and right because of witchcraft in the church. Slander is witchcraft. Saying something that has no credibility, no proof about another person is slander. And gossip is always lacking information. Can I keep going just for a minute? Okay. If I told you, if I was like, hey guys, there's a sale going on. It's only today at Woodland Hills Mall. Shh, don't tell anybody. Just for you guys. Everything at every store is 95% off. <laughs> You're gonna be paying like 50 cents for that new sweater you've wanted. You're like, let's go, Pastor Paul said it. Nobody checked if it was true. Woodland Hills Mall's packed. Y'all are like, he's, he's, he's serious about this. Let's go to Woodland Hills Mall after this. No, I'm not, no, 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 I'm not. I'm giving an example. <laughs> there is no sale that I'm aware of at Woodland Hills Mall. Don't go there today, don't blame me. But we're seeing people move at the speed of information. The more sensational it is, the more juicy it is, the more we spread it. Whoever gets the information out the soonest holds the narrative of the story and they will damage the nation of Israel or they will damage a coach's reputation, a teacher's reputation, 
a 14-year-old girl's reputation in middle school. They will damage institutions. They will empty out churches, all based on bad information, and it's witchcraft. So let's talk about this. Jeremiah 17, verse 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all else. Now, you might be here going, well, my heart's not deceitful. My heart is pure at all times. I've never been deceived. This was Jeremiah the prophet called by God while he was in his mother's womb. And he says, even I can be deceived. Any human being besides Jesus is capable and susceptible of believing something that's not true. This is why we have to guard our ears and we have to guard our hearts and we have to bring things back to God's word. Before I believe information is true, I should pray. I should search my heart and say, why do I wanna believe this is true? Don't tell me what they said about me. Tell me why they were so comfortable to say it to you. Have we become trash cans for people's gossip and slander? Are we inviting it? Like, hey, I would love to hear more drama about another human being so it makes me feel better about my life. It's getting quiet in this charismatic church. Come back next week. I promise it'll be a more joyful, loving sermon. We need to challenge the spirit of slander, gossip, and misinformation. And we need to challenge the spirit of offense. Here's what bad information does. It distracts us from our purpose. What is our real purpose? Our purpose is to follow God and bring glory to God. Our purpose is not to sit around just talking about people, places, and things all the time. It distracts us. It divides us. The spirit of bad information, this witchcraft information war, it's all about dividing people. Dividing middle schoolers, high schoolers, college students, parents, spouses, husbands versus wives, fathers versus daughters, mothers versus sons, grandparents. The more the enemy gets in a family with misinformation, he can divide that family. And by the way, misinformation comes from its ultimate father, the accuser of the brethren. Revelation 12 verse 10 says, the accuser stands day and night pointing his finger at other people. Who started the spirit of accusation, deception? It, it started in the Garden of Eden. The serpent was a deceiver. He stands and he accuses day and night. How do we overcome him? By the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. The blood of Jesus is all about redemption, right? Gossip is all about canceling and destroying people, but the gospel is all about lifting people up and redeeming them. The gospel speaks a stronger word than gossip. The gospel speaks a stronger word than misinformation. The gospel speaks a stronger word than slander. The gospel gets down in the dust and lifts the woman caught in the act of adultery while gossip picks up a stone and says, oh, I can't wait to talk about this on Facebook. We've got to check ourselves and go, which spirit am I operating here? Which spirit am I allowing to operate in my life or in this house? And Lord, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Bad information depletes people of energy. It causes people to have spiritual, um, what did we call it earlier? Vertigo. Vertigo is when your head is spinning, you're disoriented. You don't know what's going on. You're like, what? Who do I trust? Who do I believe? It was it Liam, Benny, Mac, Ellie, Gianna, or the dogs? Was it PJ and Murphy? Or was it, and we're disoriented. We don't know whose story to trust. Do I trust Fox News or MSNBC or CNN or uh, TikTok or Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or YouTube, this YouTube channel or that YouTube? It's disoriented. It's depleting people of energy and it's pulling us away from the word of God. Ultimately, it detours our life from God's purpose. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 33 says, God is not the author of misinformation. He is not the author of gossip and slander. He's not the author of confusion and confusing conversations. He is the author of peace. He is the author of joy. He is the author of faith. He is the author of redemption. He is the author of reconciliation. He is the author of salvation. He is the author of our faith. If the devil plagues our conversations with misinformation, he begins to direct our behavior. So the enemy uses witchcraft and information warfare to stir up believers against each other through gossip, slander, and offense. There was a prophet who one time woke up in the middle of the night and he saw a demonic figure in his room. 
And he was at first afraid. And then he, this prophet came and spoke at our church. Then he realized, I'm a, I'm a child of God. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. So he began taking authority. He began rebuking that demonic figure in his room. Looked like the devil. He began spending the next three, four hours on his knees in prayer, just speaking against that demonic figure. Then the sunlight came up around 8 a.m. He had spent three or four hours in prayer, which is a good thing. But when the sunlight came up, it was a coat rack the entire time. And he shared about this in church. He said, it's possible for men and women of God to believe something and accept it and actually waste our prayers, misguided prayers. I'm really praying for Daniel Henshaw. Did you hear what's going on? Y'all are like, where? Where do I find the information? There is no information. I'm making it up on the spot. But the second I believe something about somebody and I start praying for a situation that's not even true, I'm now wasting, <laughs> I have misguided prayers. What the prophet was trying to say is before we believe information is true and start praying on the other side of conclusions, we should challenge the actual information first. Pray on that. Pray on that. And when I pray, what should I do? I want the band to come out. Let's talk about this. Gossip always lacks information. Proverbs 20 verse 19 says, he who goes out as a slanderer reveals people's secrets. And God says, don't hang out with someone who talks too much. Gossip always gives birth to slander. Many people talk to be heard, to vent, instead of actually redeem people. I just got to vent for a second. I need to pull in three or four witnesses to process some information before I actually go to the person biblically like I should and deal with the offense. I need to pull some other people in here. The Bible says speak the truth in love. It doesn't say speak your opinion in love. Most people feel the need to share their opinion because they feel the need to be right. The greater my need to be right, the greater my bent towards gossip and offense. Proverbs 26 verse 20 says where there's no wood, the fire goes out. When the gossip stops, the corals die down. The words of a whisperer are dainty morsels. They go down into the innermost parts of the body and destroy us. Sensational information. It, it, it's exciting to consume, and then the longer we consume it, it begins to destroy us from the inside out. Gossip is deceptive in its nature. It reveals a stronghold because it desires the need to be right. Gossip agrees with the enemy. Gossip veils their function with titles of spiritual authority. Gossipers have to believe the report they're giving, even if it's extremely malicious. Otherwise, they wouldn't keep passing it on. If I have undealt with animosity towards an individual, I attract misinformation about them. I need to justify how I feel towards them. So I need to hear more, more information, more rumors. Gossip gives a false sense of being responsible as it hides under the guise of giving necessary information. I gotta give some necessary information because we're responsible. So we need to have a club to talk about so-and-so. <laughs> Many leaders fall prey to that gossip to be responsible for that information. Gossip and slander mirror the value system of an inferior kingdom. They try to bring death to their targets, to cancel somebody, to assassinate their character. It is inferior to the truth of God's word and the redeeming hope of the gospel. The gospel is always sent to redeem people, to minister to people, to restore people, to reconcile people. But misinformation, the witchcraft of manipulative words, the essence of witchcraft is to control and manipulate through speech. So our willingness to pass on rumors that have not been fact-checked is partnering with the spirit of witchcraft. It's consistent with the thoughts of Satan through the demonic practice of gossip and slander. Breaking one value to show you have virtue in another value is like robbing a bank to help the poor. It's still wrong. Well, Paul, we gotta talk about these things. We need to stop talking if we don't have good things to say. <laughs> All right, we need to go into worship. I just feel like people want to throw tomatoes at me right now. I don't know. We're all on the same team. Good, good. Gossipers are both judge and jury as they pass their judgments and insight and conviction about a situation or a person. They have now sentenced that person. They stand as judge and jury. 
It creates the telephone game of misinformation. What we're seeing happen right now before our very eyes concerning Israel and Hamas is not just about Israel and Hamas. It's about you and me. It's about believers in the church. If God inhabits our praises, who inhabits gossip? If God inhabits our praises, who inhabits the spirit of misinformation? Well, I don't have all the facts. If you don't have all the facts, probably don't need to talk about it. Well, you know, I just feel like I wanna pass some things on. We gotta be careful because what we're seeing is the devil knows how he's going to turn the world against Israel. The Bible says in the book of Revelation, the nations will rage against Israel. So what he does is if he can't get nations upset, with facts, he'll spread propaganda and stir a spirit up. But in the same way, the enemy does this with people, right? Spreading misinformation. I was talking with a teenager not too long ago and they were in tears and they said, I encountered bullying at school. I said, who hit you? No, no, they didn't hit me. They were just spreading false rumors about me. And they said, do you think Jesus can relate to me? I said, yeah, Jesus was lied about. Jesus was slandered. There was a lot of misinformation about Jesus, which led to his crucifixion. He's like, am I going to be crucified? No. I'm sorry you're going through that. It's painful. It's painful to be on the other side of that. What do I do with it? You got to forgive. Because if I hold on to offense, I now play into the spirit of witchcraft. If I don't forgive, Jesus said, forgive them for they know not what they do. People sometimes ignorantly open their mouths and just start talking. <laughs> and we're not thinking about it. And we need to pause and go, hold on. This is not good. This is not godly. This is not helpful. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. Put a guard over my mouth. Put a guard over my ears. Help me to be a reconciler of brothers and sisters in the church. Help me not to be a divisive person. Divisive people line up in the top seven sins that God detests. It's in the Bible. He says there's seven things that God detests in his heart. A lying tongue, a divisive person, someone who spreads secrets of other people, dividing relationships. This is why it's so important to God's heart. As he's looking at what's going on in the world, I just hear the Lord saying, challenge the false information. There's a big difference in the Old Testament. The false prophets and the true prophets oftentimes found themselves sharing a different story. So the true prophets would say a word like Jeremiah, Isaiah, Habakkuk, Micah, Nahum, Zechariah. They would share a prophetic word, Elijah, Elisha. But then there would be a false prophet and they would say, no, that's not gonna happen. They don't know what they're talking about. The difference between the true prophets and the false prophets was their source of information. The true prophets spoke with a loyalty to the word of God. They were convicted to only speak what God had spoken to them. The false prophets made up stories that sounded good, but they spoke from their own minds, their own opinions, their biased, whoever could buy them. If a king paid them enough money, they would say things that weren't true to make that king happy. King Ahab surrounded himself with 400 false prophets. There was only one true prophet who came to King Ahab. By the way, true prophets never tried to embarrass people. They would speak privately to people, like Nathan would speak to David, right? And when they would speak privately, they would say things that were helpful. They would say, you need to repent. You need to get right with God. God is not finished with you yet, but it's gonna start with repentance. The false prophets would never say anything like that. So when King Ahab was confronted by a real prophet, he actually got angry. He tried to get rid of all the real prophets. The difference between the false prophets and the true prophets was their motivation. The motivation of the true prophets was to please God. The motivation of the false prophets was to please people, to be popular. Why do I say all of this? Because we're in this season right now where we have to check the information that's coming at us constantly. I want to look at real quickly six things to challenge. Number one, challenge the information of fear. The enemy will whisper lies, rumors to you about fear. Fear is just a liar running out of breath, right? 
This happened in the book of Numbers. Numbers 13, Moses was sending the spies to go spy out the promised land. God gave the promised land to Abraham who lived in that promised land. He gave it to Isaac. Isaac gave it to Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Israel. Joseph got sold as a slave, ended up in Egypt. The whole family, all the children of Israel moved into Egypt as slaves in Egypt. They multiplied millions of people. God sends Moses, deliver my people out of Egypt. He brings them out of Egypt. God says, I'm giving you that promised land that I gave to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This was before Islam was ever created, before Muslims were ever around, before Palestine was ever uh, mentioned. It was God's gift. This land was God's gift to the children of Israel. If you don't like it, you gotta email the Bible. I'm tired of reading all the direct messages of people who disagree. It's not me, I'm literally speaking the Bible here. You don't want Bible speaking? Go to a church that doesn't speak the Bible. But when he sent those 12 spies into the promised land, 10 of them came back with a fear-filled report. They said, yes, the grapes are huge. The land is big. It's filled with milk and honey. But we are grasshoppers in the eyes of these people. We can't possess this land. God didn't give it to us. It's not ours. We can't have it. Two spies, Joshua and Caleb, said, we are well able. God is great. That spirit of faith was canceled by misinformation. The misinformation of fear canceled an entire generation from experiencing the promised land. The enemy is doing this in churches today that have stopped dreaming about reaching the next generation. A spirit of fear has silenced so many people. We're not, we're not able to do that. We can't afford that. We shouldn't dream like that. Shut down the school. Shut down the camp. Shut down the college. Can't afford it. Can't do it. Spirit of fear is killing a spirit of faith in the church, and we got to challenge the misinformation. Number two, challenge the misinformation of hopelessness. Hopelessness says there's no way through this. This is the end of the road. You are doomed to destruction. No. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I am confident my God will get me through. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for his rod and his staff that comfort me. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. His goodness and mercy, they follow me all the days of my life. Challenge the misinformation of hopelessness. Number three, challenge the misinformation of discouragement. When the enemy comes in like a flood, discouraging you. You're unworthy, Paul. You're unqualified. You should be ashamed of your past. You're not ready for this. You're not a good person. All the discouraging words. We got to challenge that spirit of discouragement that comes at you. Moms, dads, sons, daughters, college students, singles. Discouragement is always trying to make you feel unworthy, unqualified, incapable. But you need to challenge that misinformation and say, devil, I am tired of listening to your witchcraft. I am done listening to the lies and the deception of the enemy. I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. I am more than a conqueror. If God is for me, who can be against me? I am a child of God. I am made in the image of God. He created me uniquely and wonderfully. He made me for a purpose. I'm designed for a destiny. Challenge the misinformation of slander about a person. When the enemy comes in with words and accusations, say, you know what? I speak the blood of Jesus over that person. I speak the blood of Jesus over that situation. I pray the redeeming love of God to take over that young boy, that young girl, that family, that married couple, that grandfather, that pastor, that parent, that teacher, that politician, that coach, that lawyer. I'm going to speak the blood of Jesus. I'm going to stop the spreading of slander, and I'm going to speak a better word of God's love. Challenge the misinformation of unforgiveness. The enemy comes in with bitterness, trying to get us to hold on to wounds. Imagine how Joseph felt when he was down in the pit. He had been betrayed by his brothers. They almost killed him, thrown in a pit, sold as a slave, then accused of a crime he never committed by Potiphar's wife. Misinformation landed Joseph in a prison, in a dungeon for 14 years. How many people are sitting in prison right now because of misinformation? How many people are mentally sitting in a prison in our church because they have been the victim of misinformation? That's something to think about right there. While Joseph was sitting in that dungeon, that prison, he's like, man, my own brothers hated me, tried to kill me. Potiphar's wife accused me of touching her. I never touched her. Joseph could have come up with a million reasons to stay bitter, but somewhere in that dungeon, I think Joseph found forgiveness. 
I think he began challenging the misinformation that somehow bitterness is gonna make him a better person. Bitterness destroys us. Unforgiveness, it puts us in a prison more than it does the people who hurt us. Somewhere in there, I think Joseph got free before he actually got out of the prison. He got free when he said, I'm gonna forgive my brothers. I'm gonna forgive Potiphar. I'm gonna forgive his wife. I'm gonna forgive every person who has hurt me. Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. And on the other side of that forgiveness, Joseph experienced the most prosperous future that he could have ever dreamed. Challenge the misinformation of financial defeat. The enemy whispers, it's over for your finances. You can't get out of this. There's no way coming through this. You can't tithe. You can't give. You can't be generous. You don't have enough. But if you will challenge that and say, no, 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 my God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I want you to stand your feet all over this place. I know I went long today. I promise next week is not about witchcraft. Come back. I'll give you a big hug. But how many of y'all feel like this message was important for all of us to really pay attention to what's going on in the world? I pray it helps you. If I offended any of you, please forgive me. (laughs) I just wanna, I wanna lead us into a prayer of forgiveness right now. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I wanna invite anyone in the room today that you have been hurt because of misinformation or you feel the need to repent because you accidentally played into the misinformation by things you shared or said. And you just say, God, I want, I want you to purify my heart. That's a beautiful thing. A humble heart is a beautiful thing. I've been there before where I needed to repent because I said something I shouldn't have said. I listened to something that I should have challenged. We've all probably been on one side or the other, maybe both sides. But I just feel the Holy Spirit saying it's time to break this spiritual witchcraft that has been messing with so many people's lives through the misinformation, the rumor, the gossip, the slander, all of it, that we would take a stand and say, hold on, we're gonna use our words to bring life. We're going to use our ears to listen to what is true. We are going to stop a spirit of confusion from spreading. We're going to be reconcilers of people, restorers of people. We're gonna be that that church that pleads the blood of Jesus over people. We're gonna be that, that group of believers that stands and ministers to people that others have pushed out. We're gonna come alongside of people and speak love and kindness. We're gonna break that spirit of, of anxiety and fear and a lack of trusting anybody because they've been betrayed by so many people. We're gonna help people to be able to trust again, to have friendships again. I just feel like the Lord is saying, I wanna heal some wounds in some people's hearts where you have been hurt by people. You've been let down by people, maybe even church people, maybe even Christians, leaders. And, and you go, man, I've, I've, I've been hurt and I need to forgive. I need to allow the Holy Spirit to heal some wounds in my heart. Whoever I'm preaching to right now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, whoever I'm talking to, if you would like that prayer, if you would like the Holy Spirit to touch you in that way, to bring healing, purity, minister to you, forgiveness to you, I want you to just raise your hand all over this room. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, yes. A lot of men, hands going up. Women too. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, yes. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. You could be a grandmother today, or maybe you're in middle school. Maybe you're in college. Maybe you're a young adult, young professional, but you say, honestly, this message was for me. It was hard to hear, but I needed to hear it because the Holy Spirit wants to do a work in me. If that's you, just raise your hand. Yeah, God has talked to you. It's beautiful. God is ministering to you right now. If you're here today and you just need to forgive some people, like the enemy has been stirring up offense because of what people have said and done to you. If you need to forgive some people, I want you to raise your hand. You say, I don't know how to forgive. Just take the step of faith to say, I'm going to try to forgive. I'm gonna try to begin to to release the hurts and the wounds of things that have happened to me. If you raised your hand or you wanted to raise your hand, would you leave your seat? Come and join me at this altar. Just step out. Come and join me at this altar. And as you come, I just, I wanna do something. I wanna honor the veterans in the room today. If you're a veteran, we honor you. We appreciate you. We celebrate you. All those who have served in the military, this is Veterans Weekend. And I was, I was, I caught eyes with someone in the room who has served in our military. And I just thought, we forgot to honor you. Please don't get offended. 
we honor you. We appreciate you. Veterans, if the enemy ever whispers a lie to you, like the church doesn't think about you, doesn't appreciate you, I want you to know victory cares for you. We love you. We honor you. If you need help, we'll do our best to help you any way we can. If it's a job, if it's help with electric bills, if it's help with getting a place to stay. How many of y'all appreciate the veterans in the room today that have served our country? We want to be there for you. We are so thankful for you. If you're here today and you just need to get right with God, come down to the altar. Today's a great day to say, Lord, I need your mercy. If you need the forgiveness of God, because maybe you've sinned or maybe you feel like you've fallen short, maybe you feel like you've messed up, God's mercy is here to meet you. God's love is here to redeem you. The blood of Jesus speaks a louder message than the sins of your past. Your past sins might be great, but God's love is greater. Your past sins might be strong, but God's love is stronger. The blood of Jesus is stronger than anything you've walked through, anything that's been done to you, anything you've done to others. God says, let me redeem you. Let me minister to you. Let me heal you. Let me forgive you. Let me help you forgive some people that have hurt you. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overwhelmed by your presence. I just feel the Holy Spirit just ministering to people. If you need a touch from God today. Just leave your seat. Come down to the altar. And he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how God loves us. He is jealous for you. over every report that any enemy has sent, whether it's a report of sickness or disease or financial destruction or feelings of hopelessness or fear or canceling. God, I just speak right now that you are more than able, God, to turn situations around. God, that what was meant to harm people, God, you're going to use for good. What was meant to destroy people, God, you're going to turn it around. Lord, I speak redemption, reconciliation, restoration, God, freedom in Jesus' name. Fear, you can't stay here. Hopelessness, you got to go. Unforgiveness, you can't stay here. Lord, we speak mercy. We speak the blood of Jesus. We speak life in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you're here today and you just need Jesus to be Lord of your life, come and join us at this altar. I just, I keep feeling like there's someone who's, God's wanting to, he's pulling on your heart. He's saying, come, come and repent. Come and receive mercy. Come and get things right with God. God loves you so much. God loves us so much.
Just by a show of hands, how many of y'all in the room have ever been hurt on the other side of information? Wow. Keep your hands up. I want you to look around, y'all. You're not alone. Jesus says, I understand. Jesus says, I've been there. He's got the scars to prove it. And I just hear the Lord saying, I want to wash you of words that have been said about you. I want to wash you of enemy accusations and misinformation. I want to wash you of what what the enemy has sent to try to destroy you. If that's you, I want you to just raise your hands all over this room. Lord, I just pray, God, that you would wash us with the water of your word. Your word speaks a better word than the lies of the enemy, than the misinformation. God, I thank you that today you're healing hearts and marriages and minds. You're healing relationships between fathers and their sons, mothers and their daughters, brothers and sisters, God, classmates and friends. There's an adult in the room that still remembers the pain they went through as a child, as a teenager, from the bullying words and maybe even social media words of of just slander and gossip. Today in Jesus name we speak the blood of Jesus God that washes away the wounds that the enemy the strongholds of the enemy the witchcraft of the enemy trying to keep people in a prison of shame and fear and bondage and hopelessness God that today Lord you're turning the lights on you're bringing life back you're turning the lights on and you're driving out the darkness and the spirits of demonic shame and strongholds and senses of of, of, of never being able to get over this, that today, God, is a new beginning. The chapter is turning. The page is turning, God. Mercy wins. Grace wins. Love wins. The love of God wins. The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus covers you, covers you where the enemy has pointed at you. God stands between you and the enemy and says, no, this is my daughter. This is my son. This is my child of God. Lord, I just thank you that today, God, you're healing hearts and minds. Just pray this with me. Say, Jesus, thank you for your love, for what you did on the cross. You paid the price for all of my sins and the sins against me. So today, God, I receive your mercy. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. I repent of sin. I receive your forgiveness. And I choose to forgive. I choose to forgive those who have hurt me. Lord, I choose to forgive. I'm all yours, God. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. I'm all yours, God. Search my heart. Remove anything. Shame, fear, rumors, anything, God that's not from you. I'm all yours. Make me a pure vessel for your love to flow through. In Jesus' name.